Please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Today we are going to be in Luke chapter 2. Somebody asked me last week, what happened to Advent? You haven't done a whole lot to celebrate Advent other than light the candles while we're reading our, um, reading our calls to worship. Well, the calls to worship were all Advent calls to worship from the book of Isaiah. And it just struck me this year that God meets us in our everyday moments, the boring moments of our lives, if you will, as we just go about our days, we wake up, we go to work or to school, we come home, we eat dinner, we go to bed, and we do that all over again tomorrow and the next day and break it up on Saturdays and Sundays with the day off and church. And I got to thinking about it when Jesus entered the world, except for a handful of people, life went on as normal. It was boring. Everybody just got up. Everybody missed it. Most people missed it. Most people other than the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the few people that the shepherds were able to wake up that night as they went rejoicing through the streets. It was just a normal average every day. And they went about their day the next day just like every other day before that and every other day after that. And so there was a sense in which Advent's kind of boring because we live our regular life. And so... I went very subtle with Advent this year, but today I decided to go ahead and go with the Christmas message for two reasons. Number one, it's, it's almost Christmas and we need to hear from Luke chapter two. And number two, I wasn't quite sure the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the beginning of two of the nations that became the enemies of Israel was exactly the Christmas message that we needed to hear. So today we are going to look at Luke chapter two beginning in verse 1 and reading through 20. And, and we're really, we're going to read the whole Christmas story here, but we're going to focus on the message of the angels to the shepherds. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a, a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him as was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let us pray. To the gracious God and Father, I do thank you for this word and what this word tells us about. It tells us about the word that entered into human, into human flesh and dwelt among us. So Lord, as we ponder the glory of this night, we ask that you change us that you mold us and that you make us appreciate what you have done and worship you for it. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So growing up in a private Christian, going to a private Christian school had some advantages. Mom and dad sacrificed for years to make sure that all three of us uh, had the opportunity and the advantages of going to a private Christian school. Probably one of the best advantages I had from it was taking what's called the English Bible exam as I stood under examination for ordination in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. Uh, there were four exams that I had to take, both written and oral. All four exams were both written and oral. Uh, practical theology, systematic theology, church history, and English Bible. But I had the English Bible nailed because for 13 years, I learned the English Bible. I knew where David was to be found. I knew which of the Psalms were the Messianic Psalms. Uh, I knew uh, all the different books and the divisions of the Bible because those things had been drilled into me year after year for 13 years. And so that was kind of nice to have that a little bit easier than, of course, the other three exams. However, there is a danger in, be, in being required to have all of that information drilled into, year, into you year after year uh, for 13 years, and that's danger is that it can get dry. It can get stale. And I do have to admit, if I'm being honest with myself and honest with you, there were portions of it that got stale and dry as I repeated it to teachers and on test year after year after year. But God was gracious in that there was one portion of Scripture that never really got dry. It always fired something inside me that made me want to know more. And it was these words from the angels. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people and glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Those words have always captivated me. And as I studied it more and more throughout my life, I realized it came down to two words within those words that captivated me. And we're going to look at those two words today. Those two words are joy and peace. These two words are packed with a lot of meaning that oftentimes we can miss as we rush through Christmas and as we rush through the Christmas story. The first word I want to, oh, before I jump into these two words, I do want to give credit where credit is due. Much of the outline for the study of these two words came from two videos um, that I've watched recently. We watched in the, the Sunday night Bible study from the Bible Project, uh, the video on peace and the video on joy. Uh, much of the outline for this came from those two videos. So um, we'll first look at peace. What do you typically think of when you hear the word peace? I feel like most people in our culture, we have been so surrounded by war in the last hundred years that basically what we think of when we think of peace is the absence of war, the absence of conflict. We hope for peace in the Middle East. And typically what we think of with that is we just wish they'd stop shooting each other. We hope for peace in our country, and we sometimes hope the very same thing. We just wish we'd stop shooting each other. 
But in Hebrew, which is the, the root for the word that we get, the, the word is actually shalom. And if you were to go to Israel today or um, meet people who practice Judaism, oftentimes they greet one another with the word shalom. Um, it is so much more than just the absence of conflict. In that video that I talked about, the Bible Project video, it talked about shalom in the context of a wall, a wall made out of stone. And think of stones that have been gathered and stones that have been examined to find that they are without crack, they are without blemish, and they have been shaped to the perfect shape to fit into this wall. And once the wall is complete, that wall is said to have shalom or to have peace. Basically, the shalom is the idea of taking something that is complex and full of a bunch of smaller pieces. And that thing is made whole or complete. Every now and then, if you go to the library there in Lewisburg, you'll see that they've set up a table over by the, the new books and by the newspapers that they have there, the periodicals. And on that table is typically set a jigsaw puzzle. And when it starts, the jigsaw puzzle is nothing but a bunch of jumbled up 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 pieces in a box with a picture. But as you go and as you watch, you'll notice that people come and sit. They spend lots of time or little time. And everybody takes these pieces and they slowly build this picture out of these jumbled pieces. And once the picture is done, that's the idea of shalom. Everything, all these different disparate pieces are put together to form a beautiful picture. Is, aren't our lives like that oftentimes? Aren't we very complicated beings with different pieces that sometimes are jumbled up and mixed up, but when they're all put together, when everything's just right, we're at rest, we're at peace. The problem with our lives, however, is that these pieces, if we're honest, are rarely ever put together. And the reason for that is because there's a very large piece that is out of place. And that piece is the piece of our relationship with the creator of this world. In fact, our relationship is defined by war with the creator of this war. And it's defined by war because we're rebels. We are traitors to the God of the universe. He has created all things. He has created us. He has set and woven into that creation a set of laws that we must follow. Whether you have the laws revealed to you in written form or not, we know what is right and wrong within each and every one of us. And that is not conditioned by culture. That is not conditioned by society. That is woven into our very being by the creator of the universe. When he knit us together in our mother's womb, he knit into us law and a knowledge of what is right and wrong. And even though we know we don't always do it, we rebel against the God of the universe. And because of that, our relationship with him is defined by war. But the angels declared peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. How can we be at peace with God? Well, peace with God came through that little baby that was born that night. Peace with God came through his life as he obeyed every single one of God's laws, the laws that were woven into his very being as a human and the laws that were written and revealed to him in the scriptures. He sought God's glory above all things, whereas all other humans 
seek their own glory. He followed God's will perfectly. He was righteous and holy as God is holy. And then took upon himself the punishment for our war against God. Took upon himself the separation that we deserve. And because of that, we can be whole or complete in our relationship with God because of Jesus. Because of the baby that was born. And so the angels come to the shepherds and say, don't be afraid because that baby will buy peace, will purchase peace and reconciliation for you. The other word I want to look at today other than peace is joy. What do you think about when I think when I say the word joy? Our culture has a definition of joy. It's usually what we think of as happiness or marked by the saying, hey, just turn that frown upside down. But, you know, happiness can be affected by our circumstances. And while joy is related to happiness, joy is a deliberate, profound attitude that we embrace despite our circumstances. That joy is actually related to the peace that we just spoke about. It's that sense of peace or an expression of confidence or, yes, even an expression of happiness based on something that has nothing to do with our circumstances but something that is above or beyond our circumstances. According to the Bible Project, their recent Advent video on joy, they said it's an attitude that God's people adopt because of their hope in God's love and promises. Joy is built upon a foundation. It's built upon a foundation of hope. And that hope is based in the peace that has been purchased for us. Hope is not some wishy-washy thing that... Oh my goodness, I hope that the, 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 the Pirates will do better next year as they play baseball. No, our hope is sure. It is secure because of what Jesus has done in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, and in His, in his serving us, or, or interceding for us serving God in heaven. As we go through our struggles every day, as we suffer grief, as we suffer loss, as we, as we suffer difficulty in work and difficulty in relationship, we can have hope. We can have joy in those because we know there's something better on the other end. The first job I had uh, when Michelle and I got married, I worked in Tampa. Now, Tampa was about an hour from where we lived in Lakeland after we left Plant City, but that hour drive could be extended to two to two and a half hours, depending upon which time, what time I left work. If I left work by four, I could be home by five. If I left work at 4.30, it'd be closer to 6.30 before I got home. If I left work at 5.30, I could be home by 6.30. Typically, I left at 5.30 because, well, you know, that's just how things work. Or later. Honestly, later most of the time. But there was something about sitting in traffic that just infuriated me. I wanted control. I didn't want to be sitting there on Interstate 4 looking at my watch and not going anywhere. And then getting to the point where traffic left loose and found out that the only reason I wasn't going anywhere because all these other idiots around me didn't know how to merge at the exit where everybody was merging into this interstate. No wrecks. Nothing. But my attitude should have been far different. I shouldn't have let it get to me because you know what I knew? I was getting home anyway. 
Yes, I was sitting there in traffic. Yes, I was just kind of not going anywhere. But I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to get home. Oftentimes, our lives are like sitting in traffic. We're out of control in our lives oftentimes. We're stuck oftentimes in our lives, and it feels like we're not going anywhere. But it doesn't have to affect our joy. It doesn't have to affect our happiness based in hope, because we know we're going to get home anyway. Nothing can stop the future that we have for those who embrace Jesus Christ. And as we're stuck in the traffic of our lives, as we're stuck in the difficulties, the very real struggles of life in a fallen world that are sometimes magnified by Christmas. As people around us are feeling joy, we're sitting here going, I'm not happy. It doesn't feel like Christmas. It doesn't feel joyful. That's because sometimes we've forgotten the hope that we have as Christians. And yeah, sometimes Christmas is sad. Sometimes Christmas is difficult, but we sit and we look at the light that came into the world. And we have joy because of it. In Isaiah chapter 5, verses 9 through 6, the prophet said that the promised one to come would be called the Prince of Peace. And His reign of peace would be without end. How do we have peace in the world? Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he who himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Why do we have peace with God? Because Jesus is our peace. He secured our peace and He is the means by which we have peace. And why do we have joy? We have joy because He purchased that peace. We have joy because He did all the work to bring about peace for the joy that was set before Him. The joy of gathering people who were separate from Him to Him. The joy of purchasing redemption. At Christmas, we celebrate those words of the angels. Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Many people in our world today don't know the joy or the peace of Christmas because there is that missing link in their life, that link of the gospel, 
that link of the good news announced those so many years ago to the prophets and to the shepherds. If you're missing that link, if you don't know the peace and the joy of Christmas, talk to me later. Talk to me at some point and, and learn more about it. But if you do know the peace and the joy of Christmas, embrace that peace and joy at this time, especially if it's hard to find, especially if it is elusive and fleeting. Remember that Christ has purchased for you the wholeness of life. He has purchased for us the hope that is the foundation of our joy. And remember, as we celebrate with family, the peace and the joy that is ours. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we do thank you for peace with you. How good it is to know that we no longer have to worry about our future with you. Because through your son, you have purchased peace. And thank you for the joy that that brings to us. Lord, we forget the joy. We forget the peace. Remind us of them as the struggles of life weigh us down. Remind us of them as we seek in the boredom of our lives, in the everyday routines of our lives, as we seek to be holy. Remind us of the peace that we have and the joy that comes from that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.